People come to the San Francisco Bay Area for many reasons, a spectacular natural setting, a sophisticated lifestyle, and unique professional opportunities. Those seeking these qualities will find all that and more at Hacienda, where you can work, live, and grow. A Hacienda location means having the best of everything within easy reach. Whether it's world-class restaurants, theaters, and museums, the best learning institutions in the country, or some of the finest services available. That particularly applies to businesses wanting the best address to have easy access to needed resources, being among the industry leaders, and knowing that you are part of a region that leads the world in innovation. The result, an unbeatable combination that leads to success, and that is what you will find at Hacienda. Find out more by visiting Hacienda on the web at hacienda.org. Today we head down to Southern California, where we are met with Jody Poirier and Amanda Spangler. Jody is the Executive Managing Director of Collier's Greater Los Angeles Region. She essentially runs a show for Collier's there. And Amanda's role as Managing Director of Orange County and Inland Empire extends the group's coverage into these two important Southern California submarkets. The commercial real estate market in this region has been impacted just like any other in the country. However, Southern California has two really big aces up its sleeve. It is a place where most of the stuff we buy from Asia enters the country, so its industrial market is one of the most important in the country. The second ace is the creation of content, which has exploded over the last two years as we've binged and spent time glued to our devices while waiting for COVID to end. Our conversation today takes us across Southern California's commercial real estate market as we try to assess the drivers of this industry and what it may bring in the near term. Welcome to the podcast, Jody and Amanda. Amanda, Jody, good afternoon. How are you guys? Good afternoon. Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Where do we find you? Where are you guys back in the office or still kind of uh, working from home or a little bit of both? Back in the office today, uh, most days, I'm in El Segundo today. And you, Amanda, also? Same here, and I'm in, I'm in Ontario today. Okay, all right, excellent. Um, so, by way of introduction, would you guys mind telling us a little bit about, you know, yourselves, sort of how your, you know, careers led you to where they led you, and sort of how, how you found yourself at Collier's in Southern California? Sure, sounds good. Um so I guess I'll start where I am now, current day, present day. I'm the market leader for Collier's uh, for the greater Los Angeles region, which includes uh, LA County uh, through the Inland Empire and down through uh, Orange County as well. So really Southern California, north of San Diego is maybe a better way to put it. And I've been here for just over a year now. Previous to Collier's, I was at a uh, one of our largest competitors in a market leadership position as well for a number of years. And um, gosh, what what led me this route? Um, I started actually in commercial real estate and development, and then shortly after, or I guess right after the, or during the recession, after grad school, I graduated grad school in, in the middle of the recession. So there were no development opportunities. So I went into straight brokerage. So that was kind of where I went from brokerage to 
or excuse me, from development to brokerage. And um, now here I am today. So, <laughs> and and all of it on the West Coast, Jody, or or you've uh, sort of traversed the country a little bit. I have traversed the country a little bit. I've I've um, I went to grad school back east in Boston. And I worked there for a handful of years, uh, both in the principal side and on the brokerage side, um, and in Los Angeles as well. So I've I've spent about half, a little over half my career in Southern California, and then about five years or so in the Boston area. Okay. Okay. Amanda, how about you? Um, I also was with a competitor uh, for 12 years prior to joining Collier's and held several positions and roles there. Um, so I have uh, quite a background in many different sectors of the business. And I've been with Collier's for a whole uh, 30 days now. So it's been, okay. yeah, it's been great. <laughs> okay, excellent. Yes, 30 days. <laughs> yeah, excellent. All right, well, well then you, you've, you know, we'll, we'll ask you all the, all the fun questions, I suppose, right? Yeah. And, and maybe Jody won't answer. Uh, <laughs> No, so jo- joking aside, um, so so just in terms of like you know people, how big is your organization, and what sectors of the industry do you guys uh, service? Well, here in our region, uh, we are, gosh, we're approaching three hundred professionals. Uh, about one hundred and seventy of those are brokerage professionals. Uh, but company-wide, we're, we are a global, publicly traded company. Um, and in, sure. in every major market across the globe and are actually the, the number three global commercial real estate firm size-wise um, in terms of market cap. So we actually moved into that third position this past year behind CBRE, yes, behind CBRE and JLL. <laughs> so Collier's is, is now number three size-wise. <laughs> Excellent. And then sort of, and, and then when you, when you think about the sort of, uh, you know, greater LA market, how, how does it fit into the kind of bigger puzzle piece of the, of the, of the Collier's uh, or, or, or organization? Is it, is it, you know, one of the bigger markets for you guys? It is. Where, where do you fall? Yes. There? Amanda and I, uh, we, we get to lead one of the largest markets uh, across Collier's and really across for, any commercial real estate firm, LA, the greater LA region is because it is such a significant market area ge- geographically. And, you know, when you look at uh, the, the real estate and other opportunities here from the corporate side and investor side, it's such a large, significant region. Um, and it, it is for Collier's as well. So it is up there in the, the top market size wise. And assuming you guys obviously um, uh, work with uh, sort of office, commercial, R and D, industrial, all the food food groups primarily, does that include multifamily and life science and retail and hospitality as well? It does. Amanda, what did you spend your lunch talking about? Uh, multifamily, actually. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and I spent my morning uh, really deep in in the office sector. So yes, all, all food groups. Okay, excellent. All right. Well, let's jump into that a little bit. I would I would love to hear from you guys kind of what the state of the market is. I mean, you know, I think maybe the first question there will be, you know, looking at sort of here we are at the end of 2021, you know, how did 2021 shape up to be, you know, compared to let's say beginning of 2021 where things were still very uncertain, we didn't have the vaccines if you remember and 
we were all worried about sort of where 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 things are going. Um, but how how is the year uh, shaping up for you guys? It is shaping up very well. It's it's been a tremendous year uh, when we look just across the board. Actually, it's certainly driven by industrial, given the one this region is is a very significant region uh, industrialized for commercial real estate, given the dual ports of Los Angeles and Long Beach, the Inland Empire. Um, this is a significant industrial market, and, and that is an area that we are also particularly very strong. Um, and with the appetite for the in industrial product, uh, both on the user side and the, the investor side is, um, you know, it's record breaking. And we're seeing numbers uh, when it comes to absorption and to, you know, high water marks, sure. it feels like every, gosh, every other week is, is a new high water mark uh, in terms of, of rents. Um, and it's uh, so that that is driving, certainly driving uh, demand, but it is not the only thing that is showing up strong in terms of numbers. Um, you know, office, office and, and retail are are definitely, if you look at 2021, still muted compared to to pre-COVID. So they've uh, overall have not hit you know pre-COVID numbers yet. Uh, however, 2021 was much stronger and shows signs of resurgence, particularly over the last few months. Uh, whereas compared to 2020, I mean, all everything was was stopped for a period of time there. And then when things did open back up, industrial and and some others certainly took off where those were the two sectors that were uh, hit the hardest in terms of overall activity. Um, multifamily has been doing um, extremely well as well, uh, um, retail investment sales. So there, there are sectors of that that, that have been very strong on the, right. the office right. side, life sciences, tech. There's, there's many instances that go you know, speak to the the other side, the flip of the coin that, wow, there's actually been a good amount of activity, but um, overall that has been slower. Yeah, I would echo those comments. I mean, yes, the industrial sector is on fire, just given with the supply chain and logistics and um, kind of sorting through those things, there's a high demand and, um, you know, looking for those, uh, opportunities, especially out here in the Inland Empire, where land is um, somewhat still abundant. So the opportunity is uh, definitely has increased. And like I said, the demand is high, and I don't see anything slowing down uh, for quite some time. So that's a great thing. But, you know, also through this, we've seen some um, bigger opportunities that Jody had mentioned also in our market sectors that maybe we were focused on previously, but there's more heightened um, awareness to it now, such as life sciences, right, given with pharmaceuticals and vaccines. And so now there's, you know, push uh, for that. So um, I think that's going to be the sector that's to come on rise in these next few years. Yeah, uh, certainly I would say industrial and life sciences and even in other markets have been sort of the, you know, darling of the of the industry. I would ar argue multifamily kind of falls into that, uh, you know, bucket also. There's certainly been a lot of activity in multifamily. 
Um, I'm curious on the office side, which I think in Southern California is a little, you know, somewhat unique in a sense that there's a lot of content creation in Southern California that maybe doesn't exist in other parts of the country. Are you, are you seeing office active mainly sort of those types of activities? So like, you know, Netflix looking to expand or Amazon, uh, you know, studios and, you know, places like that, but maybe some of the more traditional kind of fire tenants are, are still thinking about, you know, what they're going to do. Um, is that what you were also seeing? Yes, it's certainly representative of what we're seeing, looking kind of backwards into 2021 over the various months where we have seen tremendous amount of activity in our, in the greater market is, um, as you mentioned, content creation, uh, both on the you know, film and TV side, but also on the gaming side. So companies such as Riot Game, Riot Games and others, um, you know, esports and all of that, uh, certainly that fared very well during the pandemic and uh, showed in terms of um, their growth. Uh, so then that, of course, their, their need for real estate. Um, so we've seen tremendous activity there. And from the you know, the, the usual suspects such as Google, Amazon, et cetera. Um, and, you know, we're fortunate being here in, in the, the home of the, the studios in Hollywood. So certainly, um, you know, continued demand in that regard. Uh, but also uh, other just industries worth noting um, are uh, electric car companies. So that's something that has also right. um, we've benefited from and um, on the startup side as well, companies such as Rivian, Ven Vinfast and others um, that have, have taken down, you know, increasing amounts of space and, and are, uh, have significant presence, growing presence here. Um, life sciences that we touched on as well. And then aerospace. Aerospace is another that we've seen, um, you know, it's not foreign to this this market um, to have these types of users, sure. but as as new um, new users have have emerged, such as Blue Origin and others, we've seen that as a, a burgeoning kind of sector of of startups um, and and some that are not startups. What I'm hearing is that you know you know primarily if it's innovation based, that's kind of where the demand is coming from primarily, right? Um, are these companies also looking for something else in this space? Are you finding that the existing inventory of you know properties out there can accommodate their their needs, or are you finding that they have to work with uh, you know landlord developers right to kind of either upgrade or create something that maybe doesn't exist in the market? Yeah, I'd, I'd say that there's a bit of a combo of both. Like there's you know. Um sectors where there's existing inventory and then there's been some where we have to be a little bit more creative um, in terms of what it is that they're looking for or to help support whatever niche or specialty practice that they're looking to get into. Um, but for the most part, I think we've been able, I mean, other than industrial, right, there's been the inventory and it's there. It's just um, either being creative to it or um, just looking for the right opportunity. Are you noticing on the development side that uh, you know companies are you know you know anxious to kind of start projects again, or are they still you know waiting to see kind of what happens uh, by the end of this year? And now, of course, what happens with this new variant? Um, what what's the temperature there you, you, in in your in your eyes? 
I think that depends too on the sector and, and the niche. Um, you know, for example, we've got some office companies that are still maybe a little bit hesitant and uncertain, not knowing you know the direction and kind of scale, right? Do they downsize? Do they stay in existing space that they have? But then there's also been the niche specialty practices that have been, you know, eager and ready to go and looking for that product, you know, to yesterday, right? For example, like indoor farming is yeah. absolutely huge right now. And uh, that sector is kind of, um, you know, what do you got for me? And we got to make it, you know, happen yesterday. So it just depends on, you know, the niche in the, in the sector. Yeah. Industrial certainly ex- extreme demand on the, the development side. Um, and whereas I would say on office, there's certainly more of a, a reticence to, to just put the shovel in the ground without having uh, a, a tenant in tow. Um, given there is a good amount of uncertainty out there too, still, I should say, a good, a good amount of uncertainty out there still um, in terms of what, you know, what will the quote return to office? When will it be a hundred percent? And, and what will it be? Will it, will it be what we, we used to know, or is it going to be um, a variation of what we knew? Um, but then there are those, I would say caveats where, Given the the type of office, um, you know, more of the low rise product in areas where those, um, you know, the Tammy tenants, the tech and media uh, tenants want to be and need to be, um, then there's there's more of a, a business case and justification, uh, you know, investment committee wise, if you're sitting around a table to uh, put the shovel in the ground versus, you know, probably a, a high rise where there's not as much demand overall at the moment. Maybe one uh, indication of sort of how things are going is is the traffic back, right? And are you guys noticing that, um, you know, some of those measures are kind of back to some of their pre-pandemic levels or, or do you still feel that companies are giving or allowing the flexibility to sort of work itself through the system? Speaking of one of uh, one of the the larger landlords here in the region recently, uh, he was saying that their portfolio is still really at about forty percent occupied um, from the the measurement that they're able to do via um, their parking garages. So, you know, if that's a, a case study for just overall portfolios on the office side across our region, I would say you know we're certainly not back back to near pre-pandemic levels. When I look at the freeways right now, gosh, they seem crowded again, but maybe that's just holiday traffic. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and people are quote unquote working from home, yeah. right? So they could be doing exactly. anything. Exactly. They're running down to blooming. <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So as right. you as you as you look at all of these things and as you look at some of these markers of sort of, you know, how the industry is shaping up, you know, towards the end of, you know, 2021. Um, how, how do you guys think 2022 uh, might look like, at least in the first few months? I mean, it's probably difficult to say how the whole of the year will look like, but but what are what are some of your indications in terms of kind of the outlook for, for next year? I feel like we're going to see maybe a, probably a little bit more of, uh, similar to 2021. I mean, there's still a lot of um, uncertainty going into this, especially with the vaccine. And, you know, is it going to be mandated? Is it not mandated? You know, what's it going to look like? And as we kind of play through that as well, um, I think there's still going to be uncertainty around office and retail, uh, hotels, 
Um, but industrial is going to probably remain strong and self-storage will remain strong. Um, multifamily will remain strong with the housing um, demand and where it's at currently. But I, I think there's still going to be some uncertainty going into 2022. And, you know, who's to say now, really, what is the new norm? I feel like, you know, what we're doing right now is kind of the new norm and we got to slowly start adapting to it. It's, I don't, you know, I'm not sure how it's, I don't think it's going to be what it used to be, especially with these variants that, you know, keep coming out. And um, no, we're just going to, that's, you know, my opinion in 2022, still a little uncertainty. Um, and it really depends on the sector and the demand and the interest and what will happen. Yeah, I, I feel overall positive about 2022. Um, I, I do think as Amanda echoed, I, I concur in that I think there's still going to be just a, um, an overall vibe of uncertainty, but that vibe may be the new vibe of just kind of like, all right, this is sort of our new world. And, you know, variants are probably going to continue to pop up and hopefully they become less and less infectious and more like a common cold. That's what a virus is, um, you know, in, intends to do uh, is, is to be more infectious, but less severe. So hopefully eventually COVID becomes just like a darn cold that you get and not life-threatening even to those that are not vaccinated. So that's my, my medical hope for 2022 is that we get to the just kind of um, weak virus standpoint where people just get a lot of colds if, if it goes through, but otherwise we're okay. Um, and I, I feel you know, there's the uncertainty part too of what is, you know, all the inflation talk mean. We've gone through so many consecutive years now of deflation that, you know, I think our economy can handle some inflation. Um, certainly it looks like interest rates are going to rise sooner than later in the new year. Uh, what is that going to do? And what does that mean for everything else? Um, you know, we see a tightening here and there on some things. Um, it may be probably at some point, um, but we'll, I think in, unless we just see continued extreme inflation going into 2023 and beyond, I don't see that af affecting things um, in, the, in the near term, if, if we can kind of right the ship a little bit. Um, but pricing is, is starting to certainly just get, it seems a little bit out of whack on the basic goods. And that to me is a little bit concerning because that's going to have to find its way throughout the supply chain. And it's starting to get to the point of like, gosh, things are so expensive, but you know, if wages aren't going up proportionally to the expense of gas and all these other things, although they are going up some, will they go up enough? But then what does that mean for the cost of other goods and then of real estate and you know, just the whole butterfly effect. Um, I'm sure an economist who's much more educated for me in that regard could speak a lot more intelligently about it, but those are just thoughts that go through my head yeah. on it. And what does that mean? Um, but uh, overall, I, I still, I think that we're going into a year. I think, I think it's going to be even quote better than 2022, 21, pardon me, uh, commercial real estate wise. I think, you know, we're already seeing signs of the office, um, demand, you know, people coming off the sidelines, starting to make decisions again. There is still somewhat of the kicking the can down the road, given the uncertainty, but I think we're going to see less and less of that as time goes on in the coming year to two years. So I overall feel very bullish and I feel very bullish about our region. I think 
despite companies, there's still going to be the case studies of them going to Texas and other locations that will happen. But we still have, uh, in my opinion, a very strong case for why Southern California. Yeah. And, um, you know, notwithstanding all the sort of economic drivers that that you named, Jody, uh, like inflation and interest rates and that kind of stuff, overall, it does not seem like in Southern California that uh, industry is overbuilt in 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 any sector. Is is that accurate? And where I'm going with that is then that means um, that there's probably not enough supply for the kind of stuff that maybe investors or you know companies looking to lease space um, that 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 is out there. Do, do you see that um, also playing a role in the in the market? I think I guess one thing that we haven't touched on, uh, Amanda, curious to hear what what you think about this, but is on the industrial side. I mean, the demand you know is certainly there, but. It, you know, it's it's a sub one percent vacancy in multiple submarkets across our region, and to a one percent vacancy at the given moment out in the Inland Empire, and and that so that's the the best vacancy we have is one percent. That's that's crazy. So what does that mean? And certainly there's there's some supply coming coming you know on the you know down the line, but so much of it's already you know leased. Um, right. And yes, there's some land to still go and build, but farther and farther out. So what these other markets where we're constrained land wise, you know it. That that's my kind of question is what does that mean when it's just so tight and tenants don't have a place to go or to come into the market or to expand? Yeah, I um, I've put a lot of thought into that, and um, it's been a topic of discussion amongst our sales professionals because there is no product available, uh, especially in Southern California. It's it's challenging. Um, you know, we keep a uh, getting the land and turn it over, giving it to developers, but, you know, it all takes time and, you know, not knowing the future and if the demand is going to continue to stay where it's at, you know, right now, or if it'll, um, you know, diminish as things start to normalize over time as well. But your question, Vlad, was, you know, do we have in a product here that's, you know, over, um, like over existing i don't think so i i don't think so at all i think there's still opportunity for um a decent amount of inventory across the board so i think southern california will still be a market that you know people want to be in and want to come here for so yay southern california (laughs) (laughs) exactly so let me let me uh sort of pivot here a little bit and talk you know a bit about your office, Jody, and so you've been growing, right? Um, you know, Amanda's been with you for about thirty days now. <laughs> uh, I'm sure there will be other people that you know come and join the organization. Um, one thing that I would like to, you know, sort of highlight the obvious here, but you know, I'm talking to two females in an industry that's not necessarily um, super diverse. Uh, you you just told us you're the you know third largest brokerage. Uh, in the in the country and in one of the you know ma- major markets, um, and there are two females leading the organization. So tell us a little bit about that, and sort of you know what what that means for Colliers, what it means for you personally, and and just kind of you know how you hope to grow the organization further. Yeah, well, um, you know we we will be able to grow the organization even further uh, with the addition of Amanda. So happy to have here and. Um, 
she's just such a great addition and, and it's going to help us do great things, um, you know, in 2022 and beyond. So it's going to be, it's going to be fun to participate and watch. Um, and yeah, you're right. I mean, in terms of diversity, uh, commercial real estate has historically and currently been known not to be the, the most diverse of industries, although it is certainly um, trending in a you know, decent, I would say, direction. Uh, still, you know, a long ways to go, but there have been some gains just across our, our industry. If, you know, even looking back 10 years on the, the diversity side of, you know, whether it's women or other underrepresented groups. And, you know, to really make a difference in that regard, um, you know, commercial real estate or any other industry for that matter, it's, it's tough. It's a, I, I think it's a tough thing to, to go out and tackle because really predominantly is the talent pool um, is the, the, I would say, how would I put it? The talent pool that is, is there is, is typically it mirrors about the same ratios as, as what I see in the industry. So I'm speaking generally, but generally speaking, I see that often. So, so my question, meaning there's more men in the talent pool is, is what you're trying to say typically, right? Yes. And, 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 and just lack of diversity. Right. So, you know, the limited when it comes to either the, the gender diversity or people of color diversity. So that sure. just typically speaking, it's, it's a talent pool that, you know, if I were to, to post a position and opening, it the talent pool tends to kind of match the the ratios that that exist so it's really my my kind of view on it is we've got to just as an industry have got to be out there educating there's a there's a wide talent pool we just have to get that talent pool into the commercial real estate talent pool so how do we create a talent pool that under that knows that this is an amazing uh industry uh to to enter and in which to build a career and that's so that's really my kind of one of my goals is how can i just in looking at our industry as a whole, how can I help to create heightened awareness among the greater pool of talent that exists out there in the world to bring them into the commercial real estate talent pool? So then they are candidates, you know, applying for jobs um, and, and growing careers in this industry, which is, you know, tremendously, I, I think, um, just exciting and that there's so many, there's the brokerage side of the business. There's the investor side of the business. There's real estate literally touches every single part of business or education or healthcare, any yeah, sector, it does, it touches yeah. everything. So you could, you can do so much within it. So really it's, you know, it's hopefully we can, you know, just drive that, that education of the industry and, and seek that talent. I think it's one has to really kind of deliberately seek that talent because often, not all the time, but there's just more often than not, I find that the, the instant pool that exists is not a diverse pool. 
Do you think that Collier's in the greater LA area uh, then is you know different than than some of your you know competitors and and, and not to put sort of anybody on the on the spot but um, you know I mean maybe I'll put Amanda on the spot and ask you ask her why why she joined you and you know how how that path sort of came came along but I'm curious you know how how do you differentiate and how do you try to differentiate uh, to you know attract folks like like Amanda and and others maybe from other industries. Amanda, give, I guess, yeah, let, let's let Amanda answer, you know, why, why she joined and I'll pipe in on what I think, you know, some of the differentiators are and, and speak to that as well. Yeah. And, you know, I, I'm proud to be part of a company that, you know, positioned two females to run one of the biggest regions nationally. Um, I think that, um, you know, shows that Collier's is working towards a more diversity and inclusive company. And uh, like Jody mentioned, creating this heightened awareness around commercial real estate and, you know, being more community facing in all segments um, across the board will help get that um, attention and interest in our uh, industry. For a long time, it's been... um, dominated by by men and um, you know times are changing and it's um, a great movement to you know open this industry amongst so many different groups especially being in Southern California I mean we are a melting pot so to be able to um, you know reach out to those um, groups I think would be we'd be better, we're, we are better for it by improving those stats going forward. And um, Jody and I have made that a, a priority of ours. And um, you're going to see a lot more of us out in the community <laughs> and reaching out to those sectors and, um, you know, increasing that talent pool. So I joined Collier's to, um, you know, be a part of those movements and, and growth and, um, you know, vision for the future. Um is a great opportunity. I'm eager and excited and looking forward to what the years have to come. Um, you know, it's a, a differentiator from my you know previous firm and you know where where Collier's is is just having that you know entrepreneurial um, um, you know culture here at Collier's and you know feeling. Um, you know, supported has been a huge interest factor for me and um, I'm excited. I can't wait for 2022 and hit the ground running. (laughs) That's right. And yeah, to piggyback on what Amanda said uh, in terms of the entrepreneurial culture, that that is something that definitely differentiates us at Collier's, not just in, in greater Los Angeles region, but beyond that really is a key part of who we are as an organization. And what I have, have really seen is it's a great balance between having this entrepreneurial spirit where there's the ability to, to really be nimble and to customize solutions for your clients and um, we don't have to do something that has to fit into a perfect box every time. There's certainly there's the processes and best practices and all of that that are in place. 
However, we as leadership or as brokerage professionals have the ability to, to be entrepreneurial and to, to really s- to spread our wings and, and not be in necessarily a, a defined swim lane. Um, and so that is, I find that very energizing and very motivating um, as, you know, that's something, especially in the brokerage the brokerage world, um, commercial real estate brokerage is also, it's an entrepreneurial, um, an entrepreneurial sector. Um, and, and so we have that, that side of, of our culture and that is coupled very much with a very robust quote platform. And, and by that, I mean, the, the, not just the geography and the, you know, boots on the ground that we have across the globe, but our service lines that accompany brokerage, our advisory services, as well as our technology uh, and our tools that is is very robust. So it has this very, um, you know, kind of powerhouse uh, company that is global coupled with the nimble entrepreneurial entrepreneurial, uh, type of vibe that that one might find in in a smaller organization. So it has a very good blend. And as you look at uh, sort of how the you know vision is going to manifest itself, you know, if we were to have this conversation five years from now, what will your office look like? So our region, uh, it will definitely be larger. You will you will have seen growth across the region over five years. Uh, but the the vision is not just to grow for the sake of growth. It's I I really look at it as as strategic growth of where are where are areas uh, of market gaps that that we need to recruit and recruit to and to fill those gaps. Or maybe there's some areas where we don't have necessarily gaps, but there could be accretive additions where you know like the one plus one equals equals three uh, sort of scenarios. Uh, but, but the way Amanda and I are really looking at it is very much a, I kind of think of it as a as an assassin approach, kind of having some, you know, snipers out there. It's, we don't need uh, 20, 20 snipers in, in one submarket, but, you know, one or two great snipers and then build around them. If you guys, you know, could have drawn any lesson from the last, you know, 18, 24 months or so, um, what were some of the kind of big things that, that you've learned about the industry, about your company that, that you think is going to be something that'll help you in the future? One of the first things that, that pops to mind is, um, and I was, I was, a mentor told this to me many years ago, that make decisions, make them swiftly, act swiftly and get information. So I should back this up again. Um, the mentor really educated me in that, hey, make quick decisions, gather information quickly so you can make a quick decision, act swiftly, and, and then move forward rather than be mired in indecision. Uh, and looking back you know, through these last, I guess, 18 months now of, of the COVID um, world, I think Collier's did a really good job of acting very quickly. Uh, and I actually wasn't even here at the time. I hadn't come over to Collier's yet, but I came over to Collier's about month five into COVID. And I, when I arrived, they had already, the, the company had already gone through its, its call it cost containment and unfortunate furloughing and, 
and um, you know, cost cutting that that had to be done. That was done across you know, really every firm, uh, but Colliers did it and did it once, and then they were able to build back very quickly as things really kind of just opened up. You know, uh, other than a couple of those sectors that remained needed, yeah. for the most part, it was okay. Wow, things really came back quickly. So we were able to really build and and there was also some great talent that was then on the sidelines as well. And, and we were able to build our marketing team and our research team um, even more robust um, and, and make some great additions um, overall, including our operations team. So we were able to, by, by callers making that, those decisions swiftly, and I, I think really smartly, um, by the by, the time I arrived, and that was soon after things started to kind of loosen up in terms of just business a little bit more as usual. Uh, it, it was a great opportunity to be able to build. You know, I think for myself, professionally and you know personally, I've learned to um, be more adaptable, flexible, and empathetic. Um, you know, having the the mindset or vision and then something coming along that may have you and your team have to regroup and um, analyze and then come up with a new strategy and then implement and move forward, as Jody said. So, you know, when COVID hit, it was the dynamics of companies scrambling and then getting together and, you know, strategizing on what they should do and what's best for their people and the companies. And, you know, acting swiftly on that, but then realizing, hey, that plan may not be working right now. And we're, you know, two weeks in now, let's regroup, re-strategize and, you know, implement has been uh, quite the learning lesson um, for myself. And again, I, that's professionally and personally, it's just being adaptable, flexible and having um, empathy. Yeah, sounds like that entrepreneurial spirit is uh, certainly something that, you know, pulled all of us through into where we are today. So that's that's good to hear that it's a, that it's a feature that, you know, endures uh, throughout industries. Um, well, um, Jody, Amanda, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. I really appreciate it. It was great learning more about your organization and I wish you well into the new year with snipers or lasers or, you know, whatever you guys decide to use as your major tool. Hey, you never know with uh, digital real estate coming on the rise. Maybe we'll be on here next time talking about digital real estate. Well, happy New Year. Happy 2022. <laughs> Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you for listening to the Real Perspectives podcast. Stories like these help us shape our understanding of the industry. And we appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. Please follow us on any app where you get your podcasts and tell your colleagues about us. Thank you in helping us spread the word about our work and the industry that is changing the face of business.